0: So it was a few years ago that a lady named Lori came under some hard times. She had a car accident and some other things happened in her life and she was strapped for cash. And so she got on eBay and she put her soul online for sale. $2,000. Isn't that incredible? No buyers because eBay has, she didn't know this, she had, eBay has a no soul selling policy. <laughs> Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, we are in a series about the soul. What is it? Do we have one? It's mysterious. Do dogs have souls? We established last week that cats definitely don't have souls. Uh, No, we didn't do that, but... but, uh, (laughs) I think my dog has a soul, and I'm going to see him in heaven. I don't know about yours, but anyway, um, you know, it's, it, we're talking about the soul. And and uh, really, this book, this series has been inspired by a book that John Ortberg wrote, wrote called Soul Keeping. We thought it was such a, a cool title that we just kept the title, and we were going to rename the series. But we thought, man, just go with it. I read this last year, and it really helped me in my understanding of my own soul and how to grow spiritually and become the person that God's created me to be. And I just thought, man, what if we just did a series on that, basically the main ideas of the book and kind of presented that? I think it'd be a real blessing. So that's kind of what we're doing. And last week we said that, hey, you are a soul, then you are your soul's keeper. You're in charge of it. In other words, no one else is responsible to make sure that your soul is healthy. That's your job. And, and we talked about the, the reason that that's so important is because we live from our souls. We live from the inside out, not from the outside in. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 puts it this way. Above all else, or this, what the top priority in your life is, above everything else, is to guard our heart or our soul. It's another word for soul. For everything you do flows from it. See, everything I do in my life and everything you do, the way I parent and the way I the way I. Lead, lead my home as a husband, as a as a father, and the way I lead this church. Everything that I do comes from within. We live from the inside out. So if I have an unhealthy soul, like there's going to be destruction in my life. Do you do you agree with this? I'm not going to father well, or, or or husband well, or pastor well. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it very well because my insides are are unhealthy. And so the same would be true. For you, And so the instruction is above all else, watch over, guard, take care of your soul because everything we do flows from it. So I'm passionate about this idea because the health of your soul determines the quality of your life. That's absolutely true. And if that's all you really get from this series, that's enough for you to start to do some different things and, you know, start to work on your insides. The health or of your soul determines the quality of your life. Life, what a powerful truth that is. And so we talked about what, uh, what a healthy soul really looks like. A healthy soul is a person who's able to respond to the situations in life, in their life, in your life, the way Jesus would. Wouldn't that be something? If you could respond to all of the different things that are happening in your life the way Jesus responded... When temptation comes into your path, you can do what Jesus would do? Wouldn't that be something? How, how many of you would, would, save, would have saved yourself a lot of pain over the last decade if you were able to look at temptation in the face and say, no, raise your hand, don't lie in church I'll see, oh, wow, wouldn't that be incredible? What if you could deal with stress and pressure the way Jesus dealt with stress and pressure? Wow. Wouldn't that be a life that you desired, Right? What if you could deal with bad news the way Jesus dealt with bad news? Wow. See, that's a healthy soul. A healthy soul is able to respond to the situations in life the way Jesus would. And so if you want to try to get an understanding of the condition of your soul, just look at the way you respond to the situations in your life and you'll get a picture of the condition of your soul. Is it healthy or is it unhealthy? Are your responses like Christ? Like when someone cuts you off in the road, do you flip them off or do you bless them? <laughs> Jesus said, bless those who curse you, right? <laughs> and forgive those who, who hit you and stuff, right? So look at, look at your responses to the situations in your life and you can determine the, the condition, uh, and generally speaking, of the, the condition of your soul, Right? How do you respond to your spouse? How do you respond at work when there's pressure, when the the boss doesn't recognize your work, or you don't get, you know, rewarded for something, or you get overlooked for a promotion, or whatever, someone talks behind you back, or someone slanders your your character? Like, are you able to respond as Jesus would in those situations? That's that's a good good revelation of, of the condition of your soul. And so... What we want to do is to continue to talk about the soul. Last week we said that basically there's three parts. There's the will. Uh, that's, that's the place where we make our choices, right? And we all make choices every day for the for better or for worse, right? That's the will. Outside of the will is the mind and the emotions. And we said that the that the will cannot make a choice if something is not before the mind. So be very careful with what you put before your mind, right? And, and the way you feel. And then outside of that is the body. And the body can either be your master or your servant. The body has appetites. It's supposed to be your servant. Unfortunately, many times for us, it's, it's our master. This week, I, I, I decided to do a little test because, remember, I gave you some homework. Just try to look at your choices, look at your thoughts, look at your emotions, and look at your body. So I, as I was looking at my bodily appetites this week, I noticed that I really, I really um, am a slave to sugar. Sugar is just, just, just amazing. This, this is a drug, right? And so particularly sugar in coffee. So, so in the afternoons, I've decided that I'm going to become my body. I'm going to tell my body what to do instead of my body telling me what to do. So I've been drinking black coffee. It's awful. (laughs) It's nasty. I I don't care if it's from Starbucks. I don't care where it's from. It's terrible. But everything inside of me, my body, is screaming at me. What are you doing? We want toffee nut syrup. We want cinnamon dolce syrup, right? I'm just noticing the bodily appetites. They're so powerful, right? And so, and and that I'm not even talking about caffeine. I'm just talking about sugar. (laughs) We'll tackle one demon at a time. You know what I'm talking about? just, and so my, my, challenge to you was just to notice the bodily appetites, notice your choices, notice your thoughts, they're dominating thoughts, because what, because if you want to take care of your soul, you have to understand it, right, like care begins with understanding, and so hopefully this week you did the homework, anybody take time to just observe their soul, pay attention to their soul, okay, I need to preach a little better, because none of you raised your hand, so, okay, a couple of you did, so, so I'm, I'm going to try to preach. A little better today. So here we go. So let's talk a little bit more about the soul. What is it? What's the problems with the soul? What are the solutions of the soul? I'll start with a little story from Thursday night. My wife is reading a great book uh, called Love Does by Bob Goff. It's a it's a really good read. It's all about how love is 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 a verb, and you do certain things, and sometimes love is just over the top, you know. And so. She decides we're going to go over the top for the kids, it's summer, summer break, she, she says we're going to go to, we're to, go to uh, Applebee's as a family, now the Andersons don't really do that because children don't eat the food that they order, and that ticks me off, and then we waste money, and so we, we don't do that often, I mean, we go to like Chick-fil-A and different things like that, but like to like a real restaurant, like not that, okay, not that those other places aren't restaurants, not saying that, just like a sit down, you know, type thing, anyway, so we're there, right, and, 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 and it's like special, and it's like dying to donate, and so we, we thought, man, this would be great, we'll support Cartagena, the next Cartagena trip coming up, and so it was all great. And my wife decides to take uh, to surprise the children uh, with Jurassic Park tickets, okay, because opening night was Thursday night. And uh, I'm not gonna do like I did with the Unbroken movie and just spoil it, I won't tell you how it went, but it was awesome, it was awesome. Okay? If you like to see like, people get eaten by monsters, this like this is your movie, okay? That's all I'm gonna say about that. A little bit of blood, not too much, not too much. A Couple of heads get lost, but that's okay. And 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 so 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 my kids are surprised. She pulls out the tickets. They 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 lose it in the car. Whoa! because they love the first three movies and it's just awesome so 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 exciting we get to the movie and 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 she does the whole nine yards she she gets the popcorn (laughs) I mean that's pricey then she gets the the soda I mean come on right then she goes into the purse you know how these women carry these big purses especially to the to the movie theater you know what I'm talking about And she pulls out all like five boxes of candy. I'm talking about Raisinets and and Sour Patch Kids and Gummy Bears and Skittles. And she starts dishing them out. And the kids are like, whoa. Popcorn, soda, candy, Jurassic Park, Applebee's. This is like a like $100 night for us. This is a big deal, okay? So movie's over, we're in the car, everybody's like, whoa, remember this scene? Remember that guy got eaten? Remember this dinosaur chewed this one? Blah, 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 so, oh, this is great. And then, and then we're driving home, my oldest son looks at me and says, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, can we get some Cold Stone Creamery ice cream? <laughs> I said, really? (laughs) You know, if you're taking notes, this is fascinating. I learned so much. My family's like endless sermon content. I love it. Just just go hang out with your family, get sermon ideas. But in in your notes, this, this comes straight from my family. Watch this, right? First thing I want you to see is that the soul has desires that are unlimited. You cannot satisfy your soul. It's just, it's just the way it is. Like no matter how you cookies, gummy bears, movies, food, fun, it's never enough. There's always just that one more thing. It's just ice cream cone to top it all off, right? Anybody else trying to parent children? But it, I don't think this is a kid thing. I really don't. I think it's an adult thing. I really do. I, I I'm, I, I'm, I have endless, I have endless desire. I do. My, my desires, it's just, just like a bottomless pit. I don't, think it, I don't think this is a kid thing. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20 says it this way. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire, say it with me, is never satisfied. It is never enough. Kent Dunnington is quoted in Ortberg's book here. He, he said this statement. I love this idea. He said, we're limited in every way but one. We have unlimited desire. We just want more and more and more, and it's never enough. Have you noticed this about yourself? You get the new thing, and you want, after a little bit of time, you want another one and another one. You want more and more recognition, more praise, more Twitter followers, another pair of shoes. (laughs) You want more and more, and that the human soul is never satisfied. We just want and want. Listen, when you feel that ache for more, what you're feeling is the ache of the soul. This is the way God has made the soul. It's just unlimited desire. Now, all of, what that does, and the reason this, this talk is so important is because what that, what that does, that, that reality of, of your soul, that sets us up to fail. You see, the desires of the soul, the, the deep desires of the human soul make us vulnerable to something called idolatry. And idolatry is dangerous what is idolatry it sounds like a christian word a bible word it is some of you might not know what it means well i'll give you a definition idolatry is very simple it's this right here idolatry is trying to satisfy the desires of the soul and they are deep with something other than god that's idolatry it's valuing something as more important more precious than god is in your life it's acknowledging the deep desires of the soul for praise, recognition, for pleasure, for whatever, and trying to satisfy those desires with something else, something other than God himself. We do this with people. Those, are those of you who are single, some of you who are married, you look to another person to satisfy the deep desires of your soul. There's a woman that Jesus met one day. We're going to circle back to her in a little bit at John, John chapter 4 at a well. Jesus has interaction with a woman. She had five husbands. And she was currently working on a sixth. People, people do this. They cannot be single. They have to have somebody in their life. Do anybody like this? <laughs> so other people do it with accomplishments or achievements. They try to satisfy their desire, their soul desire with, with more accomplishments, more awards, making more money, doing more, going, you know, winning more awards. Some people do it with the way they look, their physical appearance. It becomes number one in their life, and how they, how they look physically is their idol in their life. Other people do it with a substance, be it alcohol or drugs or something else like that, p- prescription pills. And it, they try to satisfy the deep longings of the soul with something other Than God, you know, our our whole economic system. I'm convinced not that it's a bad thing. I believe in capitalism. I, I I don't I don't not knocking it. It's just, but it's built. The reason it's so successful is because of human desire. Think about it. Whole industries are built on the reality that the human soul is never satisfied. So you get a car company that's got this great car, and, and they, you know as time goes by, they have to come out with a new model, so they tweak a little bit of the way it looks on the outside, maybe tweak a few things on the engine, and all of a sudden, everyone's buying the new model. Not because they need the new model, but because the human soul is never satisfied. You see it? Whole industries are built on this. You think the sporting industry, and the fashion industry, and the, the porn industry billions of dollars spent every year on pornography, how is that possible? How is that possible? It's because human desire is unlimited and people will continue to dish out money to look at things that are inappropriate sexually on a video screen or some other way, right? let you f- think about that, the fashion industry, this is, this is amazing, I'll just tell them myself here for a second, the, the fashion industry is, you know, things change and fashion changes, so people buy new clothes, anybody with me? Uh, and, and so like right now I, I I'm I'm wearing a pair of skinny jeans. You know, I two years ago I made fun of guys who wore skinny jeans. Now I'm wearing them right now. And now I feel really weird. <laughs> Just acknowledging that. Uh, you know, some of you are like you should because you look like a girl, dude. Probably going to switch up here in a little while. I'm not saying I got it all figured out. I have soul issues. That's why I'm wearing these jeans right here. See, that's it. I don't know. I don't really know all the movements going on. I'm just telling you that, 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 that the human desire is endless. And so we'll buy different clothes because fashion's changing. We want to be on the cutting edge. We want to look right and all this stuff. And so we spend the money. Whole industries are built on human desire to be satisfied. And now, I'm not saying that fashion or sports or some of these, or buying a new car. I'm not saying any of that's wrong. Now, there are some things that are clearly wrong, like pornography or drugs or whatever like that. What I am saying is that that idolatry is so dangerous. Here's why: because it ruins the soul. It absolutely ruins the soul. That's why this talk is so important for me, and it is so important for you. It, I doubt, when I try to take something other than God to satisfy my human desire. I am going to ruin my soul. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 16, verse 4. He said, troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. See, if you want you want troubles to multiply in your life, all you have to do is just go after another god and try to satisfy yourself with a person or a thing or another purchase or another or some type of accomplishment. You just you just try to try to do that, and what's going to happen is you're going to multiply troubles in your life. I was thinking about uh, King Solomon. If you're reading the One Year Bible, you saw this. He started out great. He was worshiping only God, and then he broke the rules. That one of the rules for a king of Israel was that he was not supposed to have a lot of wives. Well, Solomon broke that. Not only did he break it, he, he broke it with, with, with style. He had 700 wives. Totally blew past God's commandment. And sure enough, those wives had worshipped other gods. And Solomon's heart was drawn away to worship those other gods. And God just took away the kingdom from Solomon's son. He just said, look, that's, you're breaking the rules. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. How so? How does that work? Well, number number one, if you're taking notes there, if you're looking along, you're following along with me, basically you will be you will live with constant dissatisfaction in your life. You you'll be one of those people that is just never satisfied. You jump from thing to thing to thing, be it a hobby or another wife or another husband or another job, but just just relentlessly dissatisfied. That's what you'll that's what that's what will happen to you. Because those things will never satisfy your heart. So you jump from one thing to the next to the next. I was, I was standing in the gym the other day and, and this, this gentleman walked up to me and he said, hey, I just wanna tell you that I appreciate uh, your church and the message that, 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 that you guys give. He said, I'm one of those guys that, that you know, is just seeking to have the, the right body and the right girl and the right car. And he had all those different things. In fact, he, he has one of those cars where the doors open this way. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? And if you got one of those cars, like, that's a car, you know what I'm saying? And so he had one of those, and it was parked out in the parking lot, and then he said this to me, and just right there, right there in the gym, it's like like he was preaching my sermon for me. He said, you know what, I've got those things, but but they, they don't satisfy me. That's what I'm talking about. You can get the cars. You can get all the stuff. You can have the body. You can have the money. And it does not satisfy. It gives you a little hit of pleasure, but then that goes away. It was Jim Carrey. Some of you are Jim Carrey fans, and he's hysterical and he's a great actor. And, you know, just, just, he said this. I just want to share this with you. He said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous. And I hope everybody can have everything they've ever dreamed of. Let that sink in. I I wish everyone could be where I am, be rich and famous and have all the toys and everything that money can buy, so that, watch this, so that they will know that that's not the answer. That is profound. What is he saying? He's saying everybody thinks that That true satisfaction of soul will come if you have all the money and all the the stuff that money can buy. But what I have found, what Jim Carrey has found, is that I'm sitting in that spot and it is not the answer. The answer to what? The answer to the soul's desire for satisfaction. See? But when you commit idolatry, you, you lose sight of that. And so you bounce and you bounce and you always go and you're always dissatisfied. But not only that, you can also lose your soul. You can also lose your soul. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 8 verse 36. He said, "What is it benefit if a person gains the whole world but yet loses his own soul?" A lot of us have heard this verse before and heard it taught before, and you might think that Jesus is talking about this idea that what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but spend but your soul spend eternity, spends eternity in hell apart from God, right? Now that's probably true. I would even say yes, theologically that is true. What what does what is, what is that benefit? But I also believe that Jesus was talking about having a lost soul right now before you die. In other words, what does it profit if you have everything in this world, like Jim Carrey does, if you have gained the whole world but at the same time while you're still alive your soul is lost. See in John Orberg's book he talks about what it what it means to have a lost soul while you're still alive, not just after you die. Listen to what he says here. He says when the will and we talked about the will last week that's right at the, cent- at the center, when the will has become enslaved by its need, when the mind has become obsessed with an object of desire, when the appetite of the body has become master rather than servant, the soul is disordered. It is disintegrated. It is, it is not working together. See, when you commit idolatry, the cho- you make the wrong choices. Your mind is in conflict with your choices. You know you're doing wrong, so you have a guilty conscience. You have wrong emotions and wrong thoughts, and your body becomes the master instead of the servant, and your your whole soul is broken up. We're gonna talk more about this next week. But there's no harmony between the three aspects or three parts of the soul. So what does it matter if you have all the money in the world? If your soul is lost on the inside. You see that? The soul is the the command center. When the command center is out of whack, when it's disordered, it doesn't matter what you have at your fingertips. You will never be happy or satisfied. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, you're in the right spot to hear what God's word has to say. I need to hear this again, even though I've already preached it twice. I need to hear this again. Check this out. Your soul was made by God to be satisfied by God. Your soul is made to find its satisfaction in God alone. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is penned by King David. He said it this way: He said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you, earnestly will I seek you. Listen to what he says here. My soul, what does it do? Say it with me, thirsts for you. Your soul has a thirst. Your soul longs to be satisfied. We're gonna find satisfaction in an idol or we're going to find satisfaction in God. He goes on to say this, my flesh or my body longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He compares the soul to a desert land where there's been no rain for days or weeks. It's thirsty. I remember a couple of years ago, I was training for a marathon, and I was out on, I don't know, like a 10-mile run or something like that, and I ran out of water, and I still had a long way to go. And I, was, I started to feel weak, and my, my throat started to dry up, and, and I didn't know if I was going to make it. It was really hot that day, and I thought, how can I do this? How can I go out for a long run without enough water? And so I was so thankful that I had my phone on me. So I called my wife, and I told her where I was. And she got in the car, and she drove out. And she brought all kinds of stuff, water, and... Like a sports gel, and I took it, and I thought, and I finished that run. But there, man, there was a moment there where I thought, I'm not gonna make it. I'm so thirsty. I've got. I'm gonna shut down. David's saying, you know what? When the soul doesn't have God. It's like a parched land. It's like a desert. But when, when it does have God, the soul is satisfied. Look what he says at ver- in verse 5. He says this, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, the choicest food of the land, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Basically, he says this, you, In the same way that your stomach is satisfied after you have a, a delicious piece of meat or fish or whatever it is that you love, maybe a filet mignon or something like that, and, then, and every bite you take, you think, oh, this is incredible. This is so good. And then the meal is over, and you just feel so satisfied on the inside. He said, that in the same way, it kind of works like that with God, that, that when you take God in, your soul is satisfied. And then the result is this right here. The result is that my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So haven't you had this experience before where you've eaten something so good that you just started talking to people about it? <laughs> Last night, we were at my mother's house, and my mother-in-law's house, and she made this this, this awesome bean out casserole I mean it had bacon in it it was just it was nuts it was every, every bite was delicious so you know what we did my brother-in-law and I we were just we we're just talking about it mom I t- I looked at it, I said mom however you made this just don't change the recipe just do this every time we get together right here and you know I was just talking about it talking about it why Because that's what the soul does when the soul finds satisfaction that the end result is is words coming out praise coming out let me ask you a question today what what do you talk about what's on your lips what's on do you talk about god to your friends you speak about him Do do you do you share with other people how you feel about him Could it be, could it be that the reason you don't do that is because your soul is not satisfied with him? Because isn't it true that we talk about the things that we find satisfaction in? Isn't that true? Isn't it true that my words reveal my idols? Isn't it true about you too? It is absolutely true. Do you want to know what, what you're trying to satisfy your soul with? Just look at the, the words that are coming out of your mouth. Do you, do you constantly talk about sports? Do you constantly talk about sex? Do you constantly talk about, I don't know, whatever, exercise? or do, What are you constantly speaking about? Your words will reveal what is satisfying your soul. I know some of you right now, you're sitting there squirming, so I don't like him very much. I know, I know. I don't like me sometimes either. I just got to be the guy who tells you what the word says. (laughs) This is what happens. We talk about the things that are satisfying us. And David simply says, you know what? God satisfies my soul. And therefore my mouth will praise him with joyful lips, exciting lips. God is my Source of satisfaction. And then verse 80 says this. Watch this. Therefore my soul clings to you. The word clings there is a Hebrew word that simply means to grab a hold of, to grasp, to to pursue with passion. Can I ask you another probing, uncomfortable question? And I have to as as your pastor. What is your soul clinging to for satisfaction? Teenager, teenager, I know you're here, 15, 16, 17, what are you clinging to? Being accepted, being invited in, your complexion, your hair, 20-something, millennial, 25, 26, what are you clinging to these days for satisfaction in your life? A relationship, a person, when am I going to get married? Oh, I need to, I need. what if I don't? Oh, I need to find somebody. 30-something, 30-something, you're here too. I'm with you, I'm right there, I'm 37. What are you, what are you clinging to for happiness? This is our temptation in the 30s right now. Oh, I got to define who I am, like what am I going to be? What am I going to do? What's my contribution? I got to create a life, a career, Right? We tend to cling to those things. We're building something for the future, right? 40-somethings. I have no idea what you cling to. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm not 40, so yes. I don't know. But I don't know. You're something, something. 50s, 50s. Those of you in your 50s, you know, is, 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 it, is it the next position? You're you almost there. You're almost at the top. You're almost part of the leadership team. You're almost the boss or whatever. 60s, you know, you now you're coming down. Maybe I don't know, wrapping things up, getting retirement, and clinging to the 401k. And gosh, do we have enough to retire? Can we? Can we? What are you clinging to? We're all going to cling to something we, we, because that's the way the soul is made. It's going to look to something for satisfaction in our life. It's a tough question to ask. You know what I'm really saying? And I'm just going to wrap this thing up. This is, I'm trying to make this crystal clear. What I'm really saying to you today is that God is enough your soul. God is enough for your soul. Do you believe that? You've got to ask yourself if you believe that. Do you, at the end of the day, do you believe that God is who you need and God is enough and he's totally sufficient to meet the needs of your soul for happiness and satisfaction? You have to ask yourself that question. You know, as a, as a person who is a follower of Christ, not a pastor, not a pastor, just just a person who, I decided to do this before I ever became a pastor, to read through the Bible every year. I decided to do that. And, and this is my Bible, I, this is the one, it's my one-year Bible, it has Genesis to Revelation, I read through it every year, right now we're in, you know, Old Testament, First Kings, talking about David, Solomon, all that stuff, New Testament, the book of Acts, different things. I have read this I, I maybe 15 times through. And there are major themes that always pop up in the Bible, just just big, bigger themes, a lot of different themes, but then there's some major ones. You know the ma- you know what one of the major themes of this whole book is, and every year when I'm done with, it, I, I sit back and I think, okay, what was that all about? Genesis to Revelation, what was that all about? You know what it is about? One of the major themes right here. God is sufficient for the soul. It's all over the place. All you have to do is open it up and look at it. It's almost on every page. That God is enough for the soul. That if you have God, he is enough. And it's not God plus good health. It's not God plus enough money to retire. It's not God plus I'm accepted into the cool group. It's not God plus I get to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. No, no, no. It's just God is enough. In Psalm 16, verse 5, after David says, troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods, David says this in verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion. and He's my cup. He holds my lot. In other words, God is what I need. I'm not going to chase after all these other gods. I'm going I'm to pursue God. And then in verse 11, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, David says this, same idea. You have shown me the path of life. God, you've shown me what it's all about. Jim Carrey's looking for it. The Kardashians are looking for it. You're looking for it. Like, what's the best way to live? Where is satisfaction found? Where is it, God? You have shown me the path of life. Watch this, ready? In your presence, there is fullness, say it with me, of joy. Right next to you, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. See, the new car and the, and the money and, and another woman or another man, or they might have short-term pleasure. There might be some pleasure attached to that for a time, but pleasures forevermore are at the right hand of God. The answer is God. Every time, what does the soul need? It needs God. Who do you need? You need Jesus. You need God. That's what you need. That's what I need. And when we have him, we have everything, and we have satisfaction at the core level. Remember I mentioned the woman at the well, five husbands, working on her sixth? John chapter 4. That passage has shaped my understanding of the human soul. Jesus makes this incredible statement to her. In verse 13, he says to the lady, he said, you know, whoever drinks of this well right here, talking about the well they're drawing the water from, whoever drinks from this well right here is going to be thirsty again. In other words, you're going to have to come back and drink. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. What does that mean? If you can get this, you will find true satisfaction of soul. Never thirst again? He wasn't talking about a special type of H2O. That if you drink in, you don't have to return back to the well. wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the soul's thirst. He was talking about drinking in himself, drinking in his spirit. Lady, if you want to find happiness, if you want to stop chasing happiness through the opposite sex and another relationship, you have to take me into your life, and then you will never thirst again. And here's what that means. You will never be driven by unsatisfied desire again. Let me say that again because it is deep and it is profound. You will never again be driven By unsatisfied desire, again, you will be content at the soul level. And isn't that what you're looking for? And isn't that what I'm looking for? See, the deep desires of the human soul are met by the deep resources of the Spirit of God. And He can so fill up that soul where it's brimming over with life. Isn't that beautiful? And so what's the action step to here, uh, here today? I give you homework every week. I mean, the action step is going to be one word. Very simple. You are to drink. Drink. Drink in the Spirit of God. And let Him totally satisfy your soul. That's the action step today. Because the other option is to pursue an idol of some sort that try to satisfy your soul. And it will never work. It'll never work. After a seven-day feast in John chapter 7, Jesus gave us this declaration. These, listen to these provocative words. If anybody's thirsty, if anybody thirsts... Now, he didn't have a lemonade stand out there. Okay? Okay? He turned water into wine, but he didn't have little glasses of wine to give people at this moment. No, 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 that's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about some liquid. He's talking about the soul's thirst. If anybody thirsts, let him come to me and do what? Say it with me. Drink. Drink. Your action step today is to drink. Drink. And when you do, and and, and here again, what, what's at stake here? What's at stake here? Listen, we live from the inside out. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it, right? So the condition of my soul determines the quality of my life. What happens is, if I drink in the Spirit, the Spirit is going to fill me up, and and the and the, the very the very peace and the very joy of Jesus Himself will be brimming over out of my life. Onto who? Onto who? come on talk to me Who, who's gonna who's it gonna splash on huh you it we'll us splash on you a little bit how about my wife it's gonna get it's gonna get it's gonna get all over her right because she's always around me like whatever whatever is like coming out of me is gonna get all over her and you're like yeah that's how it works in my house too <laughs> see She's either going to get like anger or frustration or worry or anxiety or judgment spilled on her, or she's going to get love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control and courage and faith and purity flowing out on her. She's going to get something. The only issue is what have I done with my soul? Have I kept my soul? Have I drunk in the spirit? Is it brimming over? And if it's brimming over, she's going to get that stuff spilled on her. Now, let me ask you a question. What would you rather have spilled all over you? <laughs> the responses and reactions of jesus or the responses and reactions of the flesh the sinful nature what, what, what would you rather have and then it gets on my kids and it spills on them and it spills on my friends you're going to spill something onto somebody what are, you, what are you spilling on people these days what are you what are you spilling on them come on well the answer is going to be did you drink did you drink or did you not drink right and then and then what happens oh, oh this is so good then, then what happens is if we get 1000, 2000, 3000 people drinking in the spirit and it's spilling all Jesus is spilling all out on everybody you walk around in the supermarket and Starbucks <laughs> wherever it is you find yourself that's that's when a whole community gets drenched with Jesus that's when a whole community gets transformed right and marriages and and, and children and rebellious teenagers, and all that stuff starts to get healed. Why? Because you have decided to drink in the Spirit. See, here, here I'm wrapping this up, I promise, I promise. This is fun, though. Isn't this fun? The best thing I can do for you as your pastor, check this out, check this out. The best thing is not preach sermons. It's not preach sermons. I love to preach them. The best thing is not my sermons. The best thing for me to do is when I, first thing I do when I get out of that bed, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning after I get my cup of coffee <laughs> is to go to that kitchen table, I can see it right now, and grab this book and open it up call out to God and say oh God you are my God early will I seek you my soul thirsts for you my body longs for you like a parched land that hasn't seen water will you fill me up fill me up satisfy my soul because if you don't satisfy my soul I'm going to be vulnerable to some idol that will ruin my soul and if it ruins my soul, it's going to ruin my marriage. And if it ruins my marriage, it's going to ruin this church. So my gift, my gift to you, check it out, ready? The best gift I can give you as your pastor is taking care of my soul. Will you give that gift back to this church? Will you give that gift back to this community? Because this community needs you to be filled with the spirit of Jesus. As you go through the grocery stores, as you go to your parent-teacher conferences, as you do this or that, right? That's what this community needs. I'll do my part, how about, how about you do your part? Yen, what do you think? Yeah? Now, I cannot let this moment pass without inviting some of you to take that first step and put your faith in Christ and become a Christ follower. This moment is for you. Some of you are sitting there like, look, I'm not even in yet. Like, I'm not even a follower of Jesus yet. Like, how do I start? What a great question. You know how you start? You simply put your faith in Christ. You look to him and you acknowledge he's the Savior. He died on the cross for your sins. You need him in your life in order to go to heaven and have abundant life right now. And you call out to him in faith. You ask him to be your Savior. If you feel led to do that right now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Please don't get up and move around. This is a holy moment for somebody. Please do not distract them. Just call out to Jesus right now if that's you. If you know you need to become a Christ follower, you know you need your sins forgiven, just say this simple prayer to him right now. He's listening. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I reach out to you. Put my trust in you for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the penalty of my sin so I could be clean, washed, forgiven. Be my Savior today. I drink you in. I receive your spirit. and Help me from this day forward to satisfy my soul on nothing other than you. And say, Christ, say my pray amen. Hey, before you leave, I just want to give you a gift. Our church wants to give you a gift. It's a one-year New Testament. If you prayed to receive Christ, there's tables back here to my right and to my left. If you just put your faith in Christ, we want to put one of these in your hands. It's a a one-year New Testament. And You might be thinking, wait a second, wait a second, I already got a Bible. I've got one at home. Maybe one of those precious moments Bibles from years ago. That's cool. That's cool. But you don't have one like this. You don't have one like this. This is a one-year New Testament. It's broken down into little five-minute daily readings. I read these same passages every day. If you pray to receive Christ, there's tables back there. We want to put one of these in your hands. If you're already a Christian, go buy one of these from the bookstore. <laughs> don't take one for free. These are only for people uh, who pray to receive Christ today. Can we give glory to God today for what he's done? <clears throat> You are a soul. You are the keeper of your soul. No one else is in charge of it. The health of your soul determines the quality of your life. Idolatry will ruin your soul. Your soul was made and created to be satisfied in God alone. Will you keep your soul well this week? Will you do it? Drink. 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 Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity, this moment to speak on your behalf to try to understand the scriptures, to try to understand our soul, how it was made, and what it is that satisfies us. God, I pray this week we would not just pay attention to our soul, but that we would satisfy our soul with you. That we would drink you in every single morning and throughout the day. That we might never thirst again. We pray this in the, in the precious, beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, next week, you are not going to want to miss this week three of soul keeping. We're going to talk about the will, what's wrong with it, and how to fix it. I believe everybody in our community needs to hear this message. So invite a friend. God bless you. We'll see you next week.